Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. We've been dealing with the mountain of God since July, and I don't know if I may sum that up today. Uh, I would like to get to a certain point. I don't know that I will. Uh, and we've, we've brought the mountain of God to you in so many ways, and here we see that mountain. Uh, Courtney has drawn it for me. Uh, that mountain shaking. Uh, there's fire on that mountain. Uh, it's some of the stuff we've been teaching about on Wednesday night, preaching about on Sunday morning. Amen. And what I want you to notice before we even go to the scripture, this is the mountain of God that we're going to read about in scripture. It's also known as the city of God. Somebody say city of God. It's also known, if you listen to Jesus preach, as the kingdom of God. Amen. But it's also identified as a country. Uh, this is the dwelling place of God that you have been called to come and to be inhabitants of. This mountain represents a culture. It represents a culture that God is trying to establish in the lives of the believers. And when we understand how to live in this culture, it changes everything. Uh, I feel like I have a very encouraging word today that if I can get to it and get it delivered, uh, that it's going to help you with what you're dealing with right now. Amen. Uh, so let's share some scriptures. Uh, we're going to go to the book of 2 Chronicles. If you have your phones or your Bibles. Um, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to pull uh, certain scriptures out of one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. And Jehoshaphat has been surrounded by an insurmountable uh, amount of, of, of enemies. And there's nothing he can do about it. He knows there's nothing he can do about it. He knows that his problems are bigger than he is. Is anybody listening to me in this place? His situation is beyond his own strength and ability, so he cries out to God. And it's so amazing, Freddie and some of the other testimonies, uh, Amanda uh, just really pinpointed where I want to go today, that the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to God. So let's run through some scriptures uh, our, our uh, sound tech is going to help you on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Second, Second Chronicles chapter number 20. <clears throat> this is the prayer of Jehoshaphat. I'm jumping right in the middle of it. He's crying out to God, and he says in verse number 11, I say how they reward us to come cast us out of your possession, which you has given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will thou not judge them? Somebody shout, judge them. That's important. He's asking God to judge his enemy. O oh, our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Who am I preaching to already? I don't really know what to do in this situation but I'm going to keep my focus upon God. Verse number 15. And he said, Hearken you all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, O king of Jehoshaphat. This is the prophet of the house speaking up. Thus saith the Lord unto you. Amen. I wonder if we could read this in concert, everybody together. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. 
For the battle is not yours, but God's. I need you to help your neighbor right now and tell them the battle's not yours. Come on, preach it now. You ain't really preaching if you ain't spitting. The battle is not yours, but God's. Verse number 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. You shall not need to fight in this battle, but set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord that is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed, but tomorrow go out against them. Let's read it real loud in concert. For the Lord, all right, the Lord will be with you. You. Verse number 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 16. Acts 16, verse 23. Paul and Silas had just done a great thing. They just uh, laid hands on a woman that was uh, possessed by devils. She was totally delivered. And because of this good thing, they were cast into prison. You know, it's one thing to suffer when we do the wrong thing, but it's another thing to suffer by doing the right thing. Is anybody in this place? Amen. When we've done the wrong thing, we kind of expect it. But when we've done the right thing and suffer persecution, it brings confusion in sometimes. Am I right about it? Amen. So let's, let's, let's look at the way Paul handled this situation. Acts 16, we're going to begin in verse number 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. Somebody say it's getting worse. So not only was he thrown in jail, they told the jailer, you better not let them go. So he takes them and throws them into the inner prison. And not only that, he made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners were listening. And the prisoners were listening. The prisoners heard them. Isn't that amazing? They were in bondage and someone else was in a dilemma. And they're hearing them praise God in the same dilemma they're in. And they're just listening. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone that was listening just received the reward of what they were listening to. 
Their deliverance didn't just affect them. Are y'all listening to me? It affected everybody around. You might be in a situation that God wants to use you to impact those who are in the same situation. Are y'all listening to me? Amen. But if you don't know how to get out of it, you can't bring nobody else out of it. Okay, back to my scriptures I've been reading since the first of last month. Hebrews, and I have to read them again. It's so important. Hebrews chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 22. Hebrews 12 and 22. Kobe, can you come out here? I may need you in this sermon, please, or let Josh run the sound. Hebrews 12 and 22. But you are come to Mount Zion. Did y'all catch that? But you are come to Mount Zion. You have come to this kingdom. You have come to this culture. And to be successful, I got, we got to learn how to navigate this culture that your Bible says you have come to. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you thought you come to church. But you didn't. You come to a kingdom. You came to a whole new culture. Amen. You, you, you come to a safe place to live. You didn't just join a church. You didn't just get your name put on the roll. But you came to a kingdom, a country. Somebody shout country. You have come to a whole new country. You are now citizens. When, when you come to this kingdom, you are now a citizen of this country. Now, if we knew what that meant, we'd be lapping the building right now. Amen. You have got your green card. <laughs> Boy, that could be touchy, couldn't it? Amen. You, you are now a citizen that's, that, that is entitled to all that this kingdom has to offer you. You have come to this mountain. God is there. Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is there. And there is an innumerable company of angels uh, that are there to minister to your every need. I'm preaching the Bible to you right now. That's what you've come to. That's what you've come to. Amen. If you don't realize that, you'll come to church and leave the way you came. If you don't realize, I have access to God. I have access to blood. Amen. And it says God is the judge. But the awesome thing about this mountain, he's sitting on the mercy seat to do his judging. Oh, somebody ought to praise the Lord right now because you need some mercy today. Amen. His mercy is being extended to us. But mercy over a thing is not condoning a thing. Catch this right here. Amen. Mercy over a thing. Amen. Uh, doesn't mean he accepts the thing. He accepts the person in the thing. And then we got blood there to deliver us of the thing. You can't lose on this mountain. That's what you've come to. But you are come to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, unto the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, and to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And you have come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men perfect. And to Jesus, the mediators, all on this mountain, all in this country, all in this kingdom. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, 
that speaks better things than that of Abel. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Because the blood of Abel was condemning Cain, but the blood of Jesus is saying your dysfunction's paid for. That's what you've come to. It's paid for. There is no condemnation on this mountain, just conviction. I need somebody to receive that. There's no condemnation on this mountain, just conviction that gives you an opportunity to go to the next level. Isn't that great? See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Once more I shake not the earth only, but heaven also. 27 says, And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. We've been dealing with this concept that you have come to this mountain. Amen. And this mountain uh, has many different identities. It's the city of the living God. It's the, it's the kingdom of God. It's the country that Abraham talks about or the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Amen. It is the domain of God. And when you come to this kingdom, you become a citizen of this culture. It is the culture of heaven being made manifest on earth. Matter of fact, you know, Jesus told you to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, your will be done. When you pray for the kingdom to come, you're praying for the mountain of God to be established in your life. You're praying for the culture of God to be manifested in your life. Are you with me? You're praying for the culture of heaven. Everybody's waiting for the day for us to get out of here and get to heaven. And in reality, Jesus came and said, I want to bring that culture into this environment. Amen. I want to bring the very culture of heaven into your life, into your situation, and into your circumstances. Amen. My God, are y'all with me this morning? What a privilege, amen. So we began a series of preaching, amen. The first message we preached that this mountain is on fire. Amen. Why? Because the Bible says that your God is a consuming fire. Amen. And this is the habitat of God. It's the dwelling place of God. You have come to the dwelling place of God. And on that mountain is the fire of God. And the fire of God denotes the presence of God. And it's a refining fire. Go with me this morning. I said it's a refining fire. When you live in the presence of God, there is a constant purging by the presence of God. Amen. And it's not a fire that's designed to destroy you. It's a fire that's designed to perfect you. You're living in a place where God is habitually, methodically, and continually by his abiding presence burning things out of you that defames the character of your God. Amen. Hey, listen. And if you don't understand how to navigate that, you'll not understand why there is a continual purging process. Am I talking to anybody in this place going on in my life? You won't understand why I can't get away with a thing. 
It's because you're living in a new culture that has called you to a higher standard. And when you act, react, or behave below the standard of the nature of God, His fire automatically judges those actions. It's the safest place you will ever live. Amen. Because the only enemy you really have is the enemy in a me. Oh, I don't know if y'all caught that. Amen. It's the enemy that's in me. So the safest place I can live is when I'm living in the presence of God. I, I take up my habitation on the mountain of God or in the culture of God. And every day of my life, just being in his presence is burning something out of me that demeans me. It's burning something out of me that hinders me. Amen. That's why your Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials as so some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> hey, shake your neighbor and tell them, it ain't strange. Your, your, your new habitat is fire. It, it's the new habitat of the Christian. Fire meaning you're living in the presence of God. And he said, don't think it's strange when, when little bitty things starts becoming big things. Huh? Yeah, yeah, don't think it's strange when things you used to do, you have now came to a dimension to where it wasn't a big deal back then, but all of a sudden, I'm not comfortable. Oh, my God, I, I, I hope I'm talking to somebody beside myself. I'm really not comfortable watching that anymore. I'm really not comfortable telling that joke anymore. I'm really not comfortable acting that way anymore. Amen. I had to laugh in a way, but it was so respectable. Amen. When I start a service, if my sound's bad, I get, I don't like it. And I started the service here a while back, and my sound wasn't right or something. And I, and I started saying to get it right. Kobe was sitting on the front seat, and he said, I'm working on it. I felt the spirit, but he didn't really, he didn't get out of hand. I felt the spirit come off of him. I said, mm, I'll get him. I'll get him. <laughs> Amen. But I didn't have to get him because before the service was over, he ran up to me and said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said that in the wrong. Is anybody listening to me? I said that in the wrong spirit. I love you. Kiss me. We hugged. It was just so sweet. It was our moment. You know what I'm saying? Are you listening to me? When you start dwelling in the, is anybody with me? When you start dwelling in this mountain, amen, and you step outside the character of God, the fire of God, Amen. Because if you wasn't living on the mountain, that disrespect would have went, that gross disrespect would have went to another. I told him I'd get him. Amen. It would go to the next level. Is anybody in this place? So the safest place to be is when I step out of the line, the fire of God burns up that part of me that is trying to take me to the depths. Amen. Amen. Tell you that you're in a safe place. You're in a safe place. That's why you can't go to just any church. Oh, my God. You got to find a mountain church. You got to find a fire church. You got to find a church where the presence of God is so real, amen, that, 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 that it, deals with, it deals with that part of me that does not complement the character of my God. Oh, and the good thing about this mountain is it's mobile. You don't only find it in church. You start going to work with the mountain culture. 
You start going to work with a culture, amen, that I don't respond like that because the fire of God deals with it on every level. It's so amazing. He said, think it not strange. It's not strange. This is the way we live. Amen. And it's the safest place I'll ever live because when I didn't have the fire to burn it out of me, I had me sticking out everywhere. How'd that work for you? Can I get a witness? Amen. So when we dwell in this place, this fire, this, this, this presence of God, and, and he said, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial as though some strange thing happened to you, but rather rejoice. I said, but rather rejoice that you are partakers of the suffering of Christ, for when his glory is revealed, you shall have exceeding joy. Did anybody catch that right there? In other words, he's refining me into my intended created purpose, which was to be an expression of an almighty God in the world I'm living in. And there's no greater joy like walking in the nature of the God that has created me. I wonder if there's anybody hearing me. So when I live in the fire, he said, you think you're happy now when you let the fire burn out all of your stupidity? He said, you're going to have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because that's the way I created you in the beginning. I know you're rude and you tell people, well, that's just the way I am. The devil is a liar. That's not who you are. You were created in the image and in the likeness of an almighty God. And you'll never have peace until you are exemplifying that nature. That's why now we're just living in a culture of fire. Amen. And you may say, man, that just seems so tough. No, you don't understand. The fire is only there to burn up the wood, hay, and stubble. The stuff that's not, tempor- uh, that, that's not permanent. But there's a gold in you. <laughs> Somebody say, there's gold in them hills. <laughs> that was pretty good. Amen. <laughs> Josh is back there shaking his head. Amen. There's gold in you, fruit. And the gold is the deity of your God. It's the spirit of your God. So fire is not an enemy to gold. It just purifies it and refines it. So the, is anybody? God, I feel something. Amen. That really is bringing me from one level of glory to another level of glory. There's safety in the fire. So that was the first sermon. Oh, God, we're in trouble. Amen. The second sermon, I just read it. This mountain is shaking. See, it's shaking. This mountain is shaking. And God said, uh, I not only shook uh, uh, the earth, but I'm going to shake heaven and, earth, heaven and earth. In other words, I'm going to shake your spiritual being, and I'm going to shake your natural being. In this habitat we live in, there's a shaking going on. California has earthquakes. We have flesh quakes. I'm stuck on that term, Amen. That when my flesh starts getting out of line, God will shake it. Amen. He'll shake it. Amen. And and, and you thought you was doing a good thing, but God will shake it and make you realize it was a pride thing. Oh, my God. Are you listening to me? Amen. You thought you had faith, but God will shake it a little bit to make you realize your faith wasn't in God. It was in your circumstances. But when they fell out, Lindsay Stowe, amen, then I found out where my faith was. So he's always shaking it. He's always, and he'll use situations and circumstances. If you don't understand how to navigate this culture, you'll become discouraged. You'll become discouraged, amen? 
huh? You'll think you got peace, so God will shake your world up. And then you'll realize in your turmoil, my peace must have been predicated by complimentary situations and circumstances. So God will shake it. And all the while, he said, I'm doing this for your own good because I'm going to found you on a faith that is real. I'm going to found you on a faith that is real. And when I get through shaking, don't panic. Tell your neighbor, don't freak out. Tell them right now, shake them, don't freak out. I know you're in a shaking right now, but when the shaking's over, he said the only thing that you're going to lose is those without any eternal value. Those things that can't remain, they're going to be shaken off of you. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to shake something out of you. Uh, I swallowed a, a, a quarter or a nickel or something. I don't know, when I was a kid. You know what they did? I said, my God, they're killing me. I ain't trying to kill you. I'm trying to get something out of you that's going to kill you if I don't get it out of you. Is anybody listening? Amen. That's a true story. So he said, so, so don't freak out during the shaking. He's just trying to shake out of you what's going to destroy you in that which is temporary and selfish by nature. Is anybody in this place? Amen. And after the shaking is over, the only thing left is that with eternal value. But the problem is we vacillate. We come because God gives us grace periods. Oh, God, I'm going to help somebody. He gives us grace periods. He'll give you a little bit of grace, amen, to give you a rest. And then he'll bring a shaking in your life to take you to the next level. And then some of you disappear. Just disappear. Or so-and-so, I don't know, well, I got this, this, and this. You didn't understand the shaking. God was trying to take you to the next level, amen. But when he started shaking and started revealing things, amen, we back off when God's trying to get us to go to the next level. So this mountain, it produces a culture of shaking, amen, in your life. I done preached that and I got to move on, amen. And not only is it a mountain of fire, not only is it a mountain that's shaking, why? Because when flesh arises, he'll go to shake that thing. He'll start having a flesh quake. Anybody had a flesh quake this week? You know what a flesh quake is, right? It's when your flesh rises up to the top. Amen. But let me tell you what. When the flesh quake comes, it's the greatest opportunity of worship that you're ever going to have. Amen. Jesus' greatest, greatest expression of worship was when they nailed him to an old rugged cross. And while they nailed him there, there was a flesh quake going on. And the Bible says that the temple was being rent from the top to the bottom, which represented flesh. So God is shaking something up in your life so your flesh is brought to the forefront so that you can nail it to a cross and go to the next level. Oh, my God. Are y'all listening to me? So not only is it a mountain of fire, it's a mountain of shaking. It's also, we learned last week, it's a culture of transfiguration. Change is always coming about in this mountain. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he was talking to Moses and to Elijah. Amen. Peter, James, and John seen Moses and Elijah. Uh, Moses represented the law. And Elijah represented the prophets. So on the Mount Transfiguration was a picture of an old system passing away and a brand new system coming into play. The Mount of Transfiguration is when an old mindset is passing away and a brand new mindset is coming. On this mountain, there is a continual process of coming to a realm to where old things are being laid down and you're embracing new things. Is anybody else? It's just the culture that we live in. Amen. 
that. There's no place to stop. There's no place to plateau. There's no place in this kingdom. There is a continual going from glory to glory. And in every stage, I lay down a childish mindset and I lay hold on to a more mature mindset. Change. It's a mountain of change. You're living in a country now that changes you. It transforms you. It's the presence of God. It's the only safe place to live. It's, it's, it's the safe place to live because it's always delivering me of me. And it's always producing a peace and a fulfillment that can only come from walking in the will of God. Amen. And then I seen Abraham. The Bible says he saw this country from afar off. And he confessed, I am a pilgrim and a stranger on this earth. And the Bible says, he who declares such things says, they declare plainly that they're looking for a country. A country whose builder and maker is God. Abraham saw this kingdom from way off and said, that's the country I want to live in. That's the country I want to live in. That's the culture I want to be a part of. That's the kingdom I want to be a part of. But the Bible says they all died in faith, not ever getting to live in this culture. But you and I, you and I have finally come to this culture. We have finally been, been afforded the privilege to live in a culture that our founders and fathers of faith long to live in. We ought to enter into this culture every Sunday morning in a spirit of praise and worship and adoration. Is anybody in this place this morning? We shouldn't be dragging into the house of God like it's an Old Testament tabernacle. We are coming into the presence of God. Jesus, his son, the power of the Holy Spirit. Angels are at my side to enable me and empower me and encourage me. That's the kingdom I am now part of. I am now flying. I am now living under the banner Oh, that stars. That don't even look like a flag, does it? In other words, I'm now living up under the security of that culture. Catch this now. We're going to go somewhere. 20 minutes. I'm now living. I have come to that culture. And God is there as the judge. Jesus is there as the mediator. I'm in a culture now where the Holy Spirit has been made available to me. And there is an innumerable company of angels just waiting to come to my aid. If you don't understand this culture, you'll continue to fight your own battles. If you don't understand that I have come to a kingdom to where my king now fights my battles. I have come to a culture to where now he has access to an innumerable company of angels. Amen. And he will send them to be encamped around about me. But if I don't realize it, I'll start fighting my own battles. And when discouragement comes, I'll start fighting the discouragement. When disappointment comes, I'll start fighting the disappointment. When, when failure comes, I'll start fighting the failure. 
Oh, somebody, you better go with me now. I'll start fighting the failure. Oh, my God, I shouldn't do that. And I got to do more of this. And I got to pray more. And I got to fast more. And I got to study more. And I got to do this. And I'm just not worthy. And why did you deem love? Why did you talk like that? And who am I preaching to? Amen. And last week I was all fired up. And this week I just, I don't know. I, I'm not as fired up as I think I ought to be or as I should be. And I'm just discouraged. And I feel like all of my zeal's gone out of me and my expectations. Anybody in this building? And I get into a wrestling match with the flesh. Amen. And it just pulls me lower and lower and lower. Amen. But the Bible says, Jehoshaphat said, I'm in a situation that I cannot change. I am in circumstances that are beyond me and I don't know what to do. And God God spoke to him and said, I'm telling you, this battle is not yours. This battle belongs to me. Amen. This battle is not for you to fight. Amen. That mindset is not for you to fight. That old culture you was raised in is not for you to fight. That dysfunction that you're struggling with, oh, help me, Holy Spirit, is not for you to fight. That's my battle because you serve under my flag. You serve under my care, but I can't fight it because you are fighting it. I can't deal with it because you are dealing with it. So he said, let me tell you how to win this battle. Is anybody in this place? Let me tell you how to win this battle, Jehoshaphat. Amen. Lay down your sword and pick up a tambourine. Oh, God, help me right now. I'm going to teach you how to access what you have been brought to and what you have come to. I want you to quit giving it thought. I want you to quit mulling it over in your mind. And I want you to anoint a worship team. And I want you to begin to praise. I want you to begin to worship. Amen. And I just got so much in me. Amen. And I love what Jehoshaphat said. God, we, we, we can't handle this. Would you judge it for us? Would, would you judge this situation? Judge my enemy for me. And God said, well, I can't judge it as long as you're judging it. I can't judge it because you keep judging it. And you have judged it and giving it position in your life. He said, I can't judge it because you judge it. I can't fight it because you fighting it. I can't attack it because you keep attacking it. So he said, if you will begin to sing and to praise. And the Bible says, when they began. Somebody shout, when they began. Oh, come on, I'm going to teach you something. When they began to sing and to praise, God began to judge. I'm going to say it again. When they begin to sing and when they begin to praise, God begin to judge. I come to help somebody this morning. You got God on your side. You got Christ on your side. You got the Holy Spirit on your side. You got an innumerable company of angels ready to go to war. But they can't fight till you worship. They can't move until you engage in worship. They can't fight till you begin. I'm teaching you the hardest thing you will ever do. And the reason it's so powerful is when you quit fighting and start praising, it's the greatest act of faith you'll ever step into. Oh, is anybody in this place? It's the greatest act of faith you're ever going to step into. Can you imagine going to battle with no weapons to fight with, with nothing but a song in your heart, a praise in your lips, amen? 
My God, I come to tell somebody in this building, all God's waiting on is for you to begin. You're waiting on God to do something, and God's just waiting on you to begin. To begin what? Begin singing. Begin praising. Begin worshiping. Instead of fighting a bad mindset, you ought to be praying. God, I thank you. You have delivered me. Oh, God, is anybody in this place today? Well, I don't, I don't see the victory. I don't feel the victory. Mm-mm-mm. I don't, I don't feel any different. That's why it takes. Uh, that's the beauty of faith. It begins to sing and to praise God and to worship Him because you believe in the culture to which you have come. You believe in the culture, amen, that the power and the presence of God is there to fight your battles for you. And when we begin to sing and we begin to praise, I love the, uh, the story. The first battle that Moses ever fought with Joshua was the Amalekites. The Amalekites. Them cats was bad. Figured I'd make the best out of it. Yeah. And the Bible says, this is their first battle now, and this is your first battle. They were fighting Amalek, and Amalek was the descendants of Esau, which means flesh. So the first battle was with the flesh. And not only was he fighting the flesh, he was fighting them in the valley of Rephidim. And Rephidim means railer, slanderer, liar. Amen. False accuser. Oh, is anybody listening to me? The first battle they had to fight was a spirit that was telling them, you ain't no good, you ain't worthy, you'll never amount to anything. Is anybody in this place? You've been around this mountain a million times. You've always been this way. You ain't never going to change. That was what they was fighting. Amen. That's your first and greatest battle that has to be won. But if you turn and start trying to fight it yourself, it'll wear you out. Always trying to measure up. Always trying to measure up. Always trying to be accepted. Going overboard. Trying to be accepted. It's a terrible place to leave because when you feel like you ain't accepted, you leave in condemnation. Amen. They didn't accept me. They didn't accept me. But Joshua is down in the valley fighting the Amalekites. Moses is standing on the hill. And the Bible says he lifted up his hands. And while his hands was in the air, Joshua would win. While he had his hands in praise, while he had his hands up in worship, while he had his hands up in adoration, Yeshua was fighting for him. I said Yeshua was fighting for him. All God's waiting on you is to position yourself. He said you'll not need to fight in this battle. Just position yourself. Set yourself in position. There ain't but one position to be in to get God to fight on your behalf. And that's in a position of praise. It's in a position of worship. And the Bible says as long as his hands was in the air, the battle was being won. But Moses' arms would get tired and go down and he would start losing the battle. Amen. I just need you to help me with an illustrated message right now because the Bible says he got some brothers on each side of it and said help me hold my hands up because if I 
If I'm not in a frame of worship, God can't judge my enemy. I gotta get into a spirit of praise. Oh, I'm trying to break through something in this place this morning. Amen. The only way out is with your hands up. But boy, when the battle's raging, sometimes we lose. Y'all might as well say amen. I hate to go to them churches where they tell you to raise your hands a lot. My arms get heavy quick. Does yours? They do. I'm standing there like, preacher, would you hurry up? So I just prop my shoulder over my, my elbow on my wife's shoulder. Got you, brother. Hey, listen to me. Sometimes when you're weary in the battle, say your praise gets weary. Your song gets weary. Who am I preaching to in this place? And your worship gets weary. So sometimes you just got to come to church. Amen. And tell a brother. So I need you to reach over and grab your brother's hair right there. Raise their hand up and hold it for him. Come on. Help me out. Help me out. Grab them. Hold them up. You see, they may not be. Keep it there. Keep it there. Amen. Because you see, they may not be able to hold it up on their own right now. They may they need a spirit of encouragement. Oh, is anybody in this place? They may need a brother to say, come on, you're going to make it. Don't be discouraged. Worship, sing, praise, worship. My God, you got to understand, we don't do worship service because it's religious. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. You got to realize you're on a culture, amen, where your king said, I don't want you to have to fight. Why? He's preparing you to fight the real enemy, which is principalities and powers. But he said, we wrestle not against the flesh. Amen. You're wore out because you're wrestling in a culture you wouldn't intend to wrestle. You're wrestling an enemy you wouldn't intend to wrestle. Amen. That's the reason I read you that text. Oh, God, I got to hurry. That's the reason I read you that text. That Paul of Silas was beaten beyond recognition, thrown into inner prison. Amen. It went from bad to worse. It was bad when they got thrown in jail. Amen. But things just took a turn for the worse. Uh, who am I preaching to this morning? Things ain't getting better here. They're getting worse. Put him in the prison. He said, because I can't lose y'all because y'all get away, they're going to kill me. So it was almost like being in solitary confinement in the prison. Then on top of that, they put chains and bands around their feet. <laughs> but it's the darkest part of the night. Your Bible says Paul and Silas prayed. I got a word for somebody. You need to quit fighting and start praying. Why, why, why don't we just struggle with this thing? Oh, my God, I'm preaching better than you shout. We'll just go for hours struggling in our mind. Am I right about it? Ready? Just struggling. Just, and you're in a battle you cannot win. Amen. If you ever get in a flesh battle, it's a battle you cannot win because it ain't supposed to be fought on this culture. Huh? It ain't supposed to be fought on this culture. Culture. Amen. And so it said, they prayed. And I love what it says. After they prayed... They begin to sing praises. 
they begin to sing praises. Not only did they believe what they prayed, they manifested faith by beginning to worship God for their deliverance. Can I remind you, their feet were still in stocks. The pain was still there. The situation had not changed. The mindset was still going crazy. Come on, somebody. Amen. But when they begin to sing praises unto God, your Bible said when they positioned themselves, something began to happen. Some of you need to start singing a song over your knucklehead husband. Yeah, that's just for a few of y'all. Some of y'all start got singing a song, thank you, sir, over that situation. Some of you need to start praising God over what you're blaming God for. Some of us need to start praising God, amen, what we're condemning ourselves over. Uh, you you got to learn how to navigate this mountain. You got to learn how to access what's been available to you. And the only way is to access it because it said when they began to sing praises unto God, they was a shaking. And what I love about it, the Bible says that it shook the foundations of the prison. It shook the foundations of the prison and bands come off of their feet. That word bands comes from our Latin, which means impediment, a hindrance. That is hindering someone from doing what they really are called to do. I'm going to help somebody right now. Amen. Uh, When you begin to sing and when you begin to praise, God shakes the foundation of what has impeded you. He don't just open up a temporary door. He goes to the core. He'll go plumb to the core of what is causing you to behave like you're, is anybody in this building? And he'll shake the very foundation. It says, as a result, (coughs) their impediments fell off of them. Their hindrances fell off of them. Some of you are one song away from your deliverance and don't realize it. You have fought things that was built on a foundation that was built when you were five years old, ten years old, six years old. Some of your, amen, it was handed down. Bands handed down from your mama and them and your daddy and them. Are you okay this morning? Bands that's been handed down by a culture, but you have come to a new culture. And when you learn how to utilize what's been made available to you in this culture, it'll shake the foundation. And the Bible said everybody was listening. Listening to their worship. God spoke to me when I was reading these scriptures and said, He's finna break some things in you that's gonna cause it to be broken in people around you. Your deliverance is bigger than you. Your deliverance is bigger than you. Amen. But if you don't position yourself, And if you don't begin to sing and you don't begin to praise, if you will enter into an avenue of worship, you start accessing a culture that breaks the bondages in your life. And it says everyone's bands were loosed and everyone was set free. I didn't go on and read it, but you know what I thought was unique about this story is there were murderers, there were thieves, They were molesters. They were the worst of the worst to find themselves in a Roman prison. One of the most horrific places you could ever be that looked for the chance to escape this horrible place. 
But when Paul brought this culture into that environment, it says every door swung open wide and the prison guard started to kill himself because he knew they were going to kill him. He knew uh, uh, the government was going to kill him. And Paul said, don't kill yourself. We all still here. Is anybody listening to me? I so want a move of God that'll stop the exodus out of our churches. Is anybody in this place? Amen. Some of us can't wait till I get through preaching to make your exodus today. But they were in an environment. Can I help somebody right now? If you'll learn how to worship him, he don't have to change your environment to change you. He don't have to make everything better around you to make you better. But he'll bring this kingdom into your dungeon. Is anybody in this place? He'll bring your kingdom into your dilemma. And when God's presence is there, the prisoner says, we ain't going nowhere. We're free right here. Oh, somebody shout, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's... It's the culture of this kingdom. And all this power is released when you begin to worship by faith. Can y'all receive this this morning? It's the hardest thing you'll ever do because it's easier to fight it within ourselves and it creates more bondage and more bondage and more bondage. But when we stand in the face of our dilemmas and start praising the Almighty God. The Bible says they praise God all the way to the battle. They praise Him all the way to the battle. And when they come up over the rise, worshiping and praising God, they looked and the valley was full of dead enemies. You may not feel it. You may not see it. But if you'll just keep worshiping. Oh my God. It's the culture of our kingdom. If you'll keep worshiping. But I don't feel like worship. Well, get somebody to hold your hands up. <laughs> get you some props. <laughs> somebody ought to help me right here. If you got to get you some props. If you got to force them hands in the air. If you got to force a song out of your mouth. Amen. If you got to force a praise and a worship. Amen. Are you listening to me? If you will begin to operate by faith. You're going to see the enemy destroyed. Because while they was, they couldn't see it. But while they were worshiping, God confused the enemy. He confused the enemy. He don't tell us how, but I just wonder if it was because, because see, these were allied enemies. They didn't like each other. They just hated Israel. They didn't like each other. But they knew they couldn't whoop him alone. So I'm going to have to partner with you to kill him. I just wonder when they heard him singing. When they heard him worshiping. If this kingdom didn't look at the other kingdom and said, why are they worshiping? This is a trap. Y'all are for them. They wouldn't be worshiping. Oh, somebody better hear me. They, they, they wouldn't be worshiping unless they knew something. They, they wouldn't be worshiping. And the Bible says they started turning on one another. And they started killing one another until everybody killed everybody. And there wasn't but one man standing. So he killed himself. 
He just killed himself. You see, when you begin to praise, when you begin to worship in your dilemma, it brings confusion to your enemy. And then your enemy gets confused and starts fighting one another. Is anybody in this place this morning? Uh, they start destroying one another. And all you got to do is get your hands up. All you got to do is sing. No wonder I'm quitting. No wonder. Ephesians 5 says, speaking to yourselves. See, you thought you had to come to church to worship. You got you you to learn to break out and worship in your car. You hear me? Because I don't know what it is about the car. Devil always wants to get a ride. Does he ever hitchhike with y'all? Come on, somebody. Be real. The devil's always looking for a ride. He don't have a car. He ain't got no wheels. So he always wants to ride with me. Oh, I'm just, just being real. If you would learn while you're driving down the road, and you can't see that little knucklehead over there, huh? but he's accusing He's telling you, you ain't spiritual enough. You ain't holy enough. You blew it. You want... God, I'm preaching to somebody, amen. And if you will stop right there and just start singing praises unto God, I promise you, he'll crawl out the window. He'll bail out. Amen. Is anybody in this place? He will bail out. But he ain't bailing out till you start worshiping. When they begin, let the singing begin. Let the worship begin. Strike up the band. Speak to yourself. Oh, God. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. Giving thanks in all things. That's exactly what it says. When you get into praise, he gets confused. He gets confused. I'll tell y'all about me. I'm through being confused by my enemy. I'm come to confuse him. Now, man, I'm through fighting my own battles. I'm through fighting my own battles. I'm going to worship because as I worship, he draws his sword. God Almighty. No wonder the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. He can't even set up his throne to start judging your situation till you create a throne of worship for him to sit on. And then he says, this court is now in session. Somebody shout, it's the culture of the kingdom. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.